Hey, everybody. Steve here. I'm sitting with Mike Reppy, owner of Rep's Place Sports Bar and Grill in Rolling Meadows, Illinois. Um, he's a uh, number one guest on our new podcast, uh, local level podcast. And uh, he's also going to be on the Mac and Black show as well. Uh, this is the first time we're doing this specific show. This is a local focus show where we talk about the story behind uh, everyday people, individuals, and also business owners as well. So it's a little different than Boss to Boss, the main show that Miro does. But uh, with this, we wanted to kind of get the story of the come up, you know, the the struggles, uh, you know, kind of like the background story of how you got to where you're at today. So, Mike, I really appreciate you uh, coming on today and... Uh, if you wanted to tell everybody a little bit about reps. Uh, yeah. No problem. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I'm pretty excited about this. Um, background is I grew up in Rolling Meadows where reps place is. Um, been in the business 25 years, uh, the restaurant hospitality industry. Mm -hmm. I wanted to, 10, 12 years ago, I really wanted to come back home here and and do something in the town. Growing up, there was never anything fun to do after our right. little league games or, um, you know, Friday nights with the family, you know, we had to go to surrounding suburbs to find a nice place to go eat or anything like that. Right, so, right. um, as I gained experience in the industry, I always knew at some point I would want to end up doing something back where I grew up. So mm -hmm. they've, they've always been thriving for something. So, yeah. So you started, uh, I mean, what is it? Uh, it's over a year now, right? Yeah, June was a year, so we're almost sixteen months now. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, I, you guys, if if anybody's in the area, Rolling Meadows, Illinois, it's uh, northwest suburbs of Chicago, and um, you know, he's right. Uh, before he opened, there was a void. Uh, you know, like you was saying before, it's uh, it's it's been always. You got to go to Schaumburg, which is another place, or Arlington Heights, or you know, the surrounding uh, towns. But you know. Uh, Rolling Meadows, I guess it's really just the racetrack and the courthouse. It's always been. And the racetrack is Arlington Heights anyway. <laughs> yeah, so, right. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, there was, back when I was younger, there was a few options on the other side of what is Rolling Meadows where Arlington Heights meets it. But growing up here, that wasn't Rolling Meadows. There was no residential. Right. It was, you know, over there by uh, Meyer. Right, right, right. right. Industrial right, buildings right. and stuff. So downtown Rolling Meadows has never had a family based sports bar and grill type place. Yeah. As long as I've been alive. Right. So. Right. And, uh, you know, people definitely love it. So congratulations on the success. Definitely. Um, but, uh, we'll cover reps a little bit more, but I wanted to kind of get a, dig a little deeper in your background because, you know, I originally met you when you were working at Adobe in Rosemont. Um, and, uh, obviously, you know, you were, you were already kind of high up on the ladder with that. Um, but let's, let's move a little bit, uh, further back. So, you know, you're in hospitality. Have you always been doing this? Have you ever worked any other type of jobs? How did you get your start, um, you know, working? What was your first job, I guess, is the question. The first job was Paperboy when I was nine or 10 <laughs> years old, like every kid my age. But uh, then I got into, uh, in Rolling Meadows, a little hot dog stand they had. Okay. Um, then they closed. And the same day they closed, the guys from the pizza place next door came and asked me if I wanted to work there. And nice. at age 16, I was managing a pizza place. Uh and I knew then that I liked the industry and making stuff and multitasking and yeah. being organized, ordering food, making food, et cetera. So um, then I got graduated high school, went to Harper locally here for mm -hmm. a couple of years. So I was working 
three jobs at the time to pay for the tuition. And then my cousin told me about a friend that made $400 serving at an Applebee's on a Saturday. That's a lot of money. That's as much as I was making with three jobs for right. the whole week. So Monday morning I went and applied, no experience. The guy just liked my, I guess, liked my energy and my, you know, I was pretty outgoing as a kid and, you know, you got to be in this business. So yeah, I uh, went there. He said, well, everyone's got to start somewhere, and he gave me a job. So it takes, yeah. It takes, yeah. takes that out one opportunity, right? So, so I was 20 going. then, and then uh, got into bartending as soon as I was 21 and quickly moved up the Applebee's ladder. And mm -hmm. back then, they were a big deal. They, yeah, there yeah. wasn't as much competition. Applebee's was one of the top guys around, and a uh, corporate trainer opened up a few restaurants. Uh, 22, 23, I had no idea what I was doing, like, in my own life, and I was just having fun. And uh, right. Never look back, you know, I, you know, got a degree from Harper and what was the degree? Was a, just associates in arts and business. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So I, uh, just loved it. And every, every, every day is different. Uh, and there's nothing against a nine to five job. Sure, yeah. I just personally need to be moving and different things every day. And, and that's no matter what it is, it's always different. Well, so. yeah. And you know, there's a lot of people that are, that are like that as well. I mean, uh, it, the nine to five cubicle type of lifestyle definitely is not uh, for everybody. It's not for most people, honestly. Right. And um, yeah, so I mean, it's uh, it's it's a big deal. I mean, you, you know, you you started out small and you worked your way up to you know something that's uh, turning out to be really successful. Now, there had to be a few times throughout this uh, this career that you've had that you were like, you know what, maybe I should go get a nine to five. What was the biggest struggle that you can kind of uh, recall? Um, it almost made you quit. Uh, it, the first 10 years, probably nothing. I was just, I was in the bar business and I was fun, in, fun, in fun. my twenties. So right. it was great. Um, yeah. But then as I got older and the kids that we were hiring were still in the upper teens and early twenties, it was, yeah, I could see the work ethic declining, uh, as a generation. And wow. I would once a month, I'd be like, why do I do this anymore? that nobody cares. Like I, yeah. you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. from a management, by then I was, you know, mid to late twenties, I had gotten into full-time management out of serving and bartending and stuff. And mm -hmm. every day was a struggle to get them to show up on time. And, <laughs> you know, and when I would, if I can get up and be somewhere at nine o'clock, anybody can, cause I don't go to bed till two or three in the morning. So, right. you know, that was my, so that once in a great while it's customers drive you to the point where, why do I do this? But very rarely it's mostly, you know, the cliche, it's really hard to find good help. It and, is. Yeah. And even harder now. Um, yeah. What so. do you think that is? Why, why do you think it's harder now than it was before? I grew up and I said, I had three jobs right in high school. You know, I think, right. I don't think kids today have time for that. I don't think they learn. They're in so much extra stuff for school, which is great. I'm not, mm -hmm. and we didn't, I didn't, I played sports, but that was it. But, um, I just don't think they get that work ethic. If you wanted something when you were my age as a kid, you had to earn it and you had to buy it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, we didn't grow up with money. So I had a paper route so that I could, you know, go to a concert, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, so I, I just, I think there's a different, obviously there's a huge generational gap between me and where the kids are now. Yeah. But every, I guess everybody says that though, right? Every generation says that the, the next one is doomed yeah, because they're right. Right. Uh, um, you know, I tell the story back five, six years ago and people coming in for interviews, all they do, all they know how to do is look down at their phone. Yeah. They don't know how to talk. They don't know how to 
communicate. So if they can't talk to me in an interview, how are they going to take care of a guest? Right. Yeah. And, yeah. And people skills. This business is 99% customer service. I think, yeah, so. I think there's something really to that specifically the customer service aspect, because there's such a disconnect with uh, communication skills nowadays with people, you know, people are, have that, that ang- the social anxiety so much nowadays because people have, have relationships and they don't even see each other. Yeah. And then when they do, it's like, they have nothing to talk about. Yeah. It's like, it's crazy. So yeah, that is uh that is something that's uh, you hit it on the head with that. I, I definitely see where you're coming from there. Um, now you just recently had, uh, uh, a baby. I did. She just turned nine months old. <laughs> so that, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's a handful. I mean, yeah. you, you have two babies, the business is your baby. And then you also have the, uh, I guess the, the real baby, the real, the real baby. baby. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, what, what's the outlook for the future for her? Do you think it's just going to keep getting worse or what? Um, I would hope that the next generation changes a little bit, but if I get a chance if she wants to listen to my story, the you know, and follow in my footsteps, then right. hopefully she'll understand that if we're going to do this, we're going to need to work hard. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. But you know, she's babbling all day long now, so I don't think she'll have a problem talking. It's going to be a little um, while, I guess, yeah, right? Yeah, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, I'd love to turn it over someday to my nephew and to her, mm-hmm. um, the business, or you know, multiple businesses as a whole. But that, that's my goal, anyway. Yeah. So. Well, you know. Uh, Raising kids is, I mean, I, I guess management is kind of like babysitting as well. Um, so, you know, I mean, like working for yourself, especially when you're a bartender, you're working for tips and all that. That's one thing. But when you start having to herd the cats and, you know, working with all those, all those people, what are the struggles that you have dealt with, uh, you know, management? And, uh, you know, because I, I know people that worked in the industry that have, ha- you know, people have offered them management positions and they didn't want it because it's extra responsibility. What do you think? uh, uh, Why do you think that is? Why do you think it's for some people and some people just can't do it? Um, Well, we, you know, knock on wood so far, we've been pretty blessed with the staff we've had here in Rolling Meadows. Um, We've hired a more, I'd say slightly older staff, a little more mature. Right. Um, You know, things when, when you get into a really young staff across the board, it's kind of, like high school drama all over again and mm. you know this and that and <clears throat> we don't have time for that in this business right especially now there's so much competition mm-hmm. there's a new place opening every week there's another place closing the next week there's you can't afford to give bad service or unattentive service i mean that's right that's our challenge is just to make sure and i told them from day one every one of them that's hired every one of them that goes through the orientation just pay attention to your guests. That's all I want. Yeah. You are not reinventing the restaurant business. We're not reinventing serving. Basic serving skills is to take care of your guests. And and they get it and they see it. Mm-hmm. And there's some that excel at it right away. And then some pick up some other things. But we've been lucky. We have had very little of the issues that bigger places have. But yeah. um, it's it's become a family. So yeah. that, that helps too, that everyone wants to help each other. So, yeah, I think you have that opportunity because you are, you know, a, a, a locally owned family type of business, not a corporate type of thing. And I know that you came from that environment. So what type of freedoms have you gotten from that? Um, I guess it, it's a trade off, you know, because it's not all your responsibility uh, when you're working for a corporation. But now that it is, you also get some freedoms. Can you tell me a little bit about that uh, kind of difference? Um, I don't know if I'd call them freedoms as much as you learn so much of how you would want to do things better. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and a lot of these corporate places, they're not local for any of their companies. You know, they're based out of Florida and they've got 15 locations across. Right. They don't know what's happening locally. And um, so I'm able, you know, the last 10 years I was able to like learn from the places I was at. Would I do that? No, I would do it this way. But they all know what they're doing. Clearly, they're multi-million dollar companies. Right, yeah. So, but just from a operational standpoint, there's flexibility to close on holidays so that everyone can be with their family. There's flexibility to, you know, if it's Sunday night in December and it's snowing and no one's there, why am I keeping everybody there? Go home, relax, get out of the storm. Right. So you get a lot of flexibility to take care of your staff a lot more. Um, and I think that's something that just we could never do before. We were supposed to be open 365 and it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Yeah. So I can imagine. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you think uh, was the biggest thing that made you decide, okay, I'm through with this. I'm doing my own thing. So um, almost two years ago, my dad had passed. Mm. And he Sorry. was the one that was always pushing me. Hey, when are you, you going to open the bar down the street? When are you going to, when am I going to get a beer down the street? You know, so for the, for the same 10 years that I was wanting to do it in my head, he was pushing me to do it. Um, so that was... Uh, around Thanksgiving two years ago. And uh, it was just the kind of final kick in the pants I yeah, needed to get it done. One. Right. So it's, time. it's too late because I wasn't able to get him in there to see it. Yeah. But um, the name of the place is actually the nickname he grew up with. Um, it's not creative, but it's just Reps. him and his brother. That was their nickname growing up. So, gotcha. um, so that was the final push. And then, um, between my in-laws and my family and their support, we were able to get it done. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I know that you, I mean, I didn't know the the part with your dad, but I know that you had a lot going on. I mean, I, uh, I, I streamed your wedding for anybody that's listening. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, th that was, uh, one of the, one of the first times that we ever met actually, uh, besides just coming into Adobe. Um, I, I streamed your wedding. Uh, my girlfriend, Rachel, she, uh, worked with you at Adobe for uh, a long time. Yeah, a long time. So, yeah, that's uh, that's how we got our things. So, but, but getting back to what I was talking about, um, when you finally decided it was time, uh, how long w was the process that you had to take to, like, to, to really get it going? How much was the planning? What, what, what was that about? Can you tell me about that process? Yeah, I would say early December of 17 is when I had some conversations with, the families, mm -hmm. the, then, you know, it was kind of a tentative go and then it was landlord talk. And it was, I think, I think we signed the deal for the space in late January of 18. Like, so two, six to eight weeks, it really took to get it from, um, you know, convincing the families to support it and then right. getting the right deal on the table and starting small. So you, I mean, it's pretty safe to say that you already had the concept kind of nailed down before you even decided it was time to go. Yeah. You know, it, it, nothing about our concept is unique. It's just, it's done better than, I like to think it's done better than a lot of places. Yeah. It's just a local sports bar that right. takes a little bit better care of their guests that, than the corporate places can because they're so big. Right. You know? Right. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, like you said, you know, you're not reinventing the business. You're, you're just not doing it better. So that's, uh, that, that's, that's great. And, um, so, I mean, obviously the community going, going into the community a little bit, because you're kind of a cornerstone business now, uh, in the area. I mean, everybody 
you know, like uh, the Facebook groups in the neighborhood, the community uh, uh, events, the, you know, the park district, all that type of stuff. Everybody knows who you are. Um, what did it take to do that? Do you think it was just kind of your roots or uh, what was that process, kind of getting that support from the community? Um, again, my first thing was to work with the Little League team because when I was there, we I think we had the library as a sponsor, you know, stuff, nothing fun, nothing yeah. that you could do. So. Right. I wanted to work with them, so I sponsored a team in each league, and you know I just wanted to be a part. We sponsored little league, we sponsored football, we sponsored uh, co-ed adult softball, a couple of the men's hockey league teams from the local rink. Right. We would donate food or gift cards whenever we could. We just wanted to sink ourselves into every aspect of the community that we could. So yeah, we've handed out local community partnership program cards to all the teachers in the area, all of city hall, fire, police, you know, anybody that works in the city or for the city yeah. is part of our program. So. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's uh, with, you know, cause I do marketing. So that's one of the biggest things that people run into, you know, they have a really passionate uh, concept or idea or something that they want to start, but it's kind of just, especially with brick and mortar places, it's about getting support from people. What do you think, um, what would you suggest or advise somebody that's kind of getting started that, that wants to connect with the community? What would you suggest that they do first or the first couple things? A I guess? lot of research. If you don't know the community, spend a lot of time in there and figure it out because I knew it going into it. I wouldn't have been able to do this in any anywhere else, mm -hmm. not having the background knowledge. What if what? Sorry to cut you off. So one one thing: what if you could have the same location, like as far as the the actual uh, physical place that you're in, but it was in a different town? It was cheaper rent. Would you do it? Um, if the town needed something like we do, like I feel, I wouldn't go to Schaumburg. There's too many choices. Uh, it depends. Um, I have a friend and he's out west at Clarendon Hills and they need it. You yeah. know, I did some walking around with him and there's nowhere for him to take his kids after their stuff. So it's a, I would say it's a community, community basis um, yeah. if I had to make that decision. But I'd want to be a part of a community that I either know, like Rolling Meadows, or I have someone that is from the new area uh, or wherever we would look. So I would love to expand and be a part of communities. I mean, that's, you've, you, you just gain instant support when you give back before. I mean, we were right. sponsoring things before we were open, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, um, you know, that worked out, you know, and, and, yeah. the, and the, and the town has supported us. Yeah, they so. definitely have. I mean, it, it, it definitely doesn't hurt that you have great food. No, <laughs> that's a good way to get support. I know that, um, you know, I've tried those things, uh, you know, the peanut butter burger. What was the idea behind that? Uh, again, two answers to the question. Uh, one's funny and one is um, that I had it somewhere else. But okay. uh, as a kid, I was a real picky eater. I still kind of a plain eater now. But um, my mom would make BLTs a lot mm -hmm. for my dad, my sister, and her. And I didn't think I liked mayonnaise, lettuce, or tomato growing <laughs> yeah, as a kid, I, you know. I, I uh, so finally, she just kind of gave up and out of spite. Toasted bread, put peanut butter on it, threw bacon on it, and made me eat it. And it was the best tasting sandwich I had ever had at that point. That sounds awesome. So out of spite, eating a peanut butter sandwich, bacon sandwich was great. Uh, 
then uh, six, seven years ago, visiting friends in Long Beach, mm-hmm. there was a place called Slater's 5050. It was on uh, Guy Fieri's show. Oh, okay. And Fietti. It, Fietti. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Guy. He'll be mad uh, if he's listening. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they had a peanut butter bacon burger. Mm-hmm. They have a grinder in the back where they grind their own bacon. So it's a patty of 50% beef, 50% bacon. And then it's covered in uh, peanut butter. And that's ridiculous. Bacon. So I got the end of there. <laughs> we, we just use all beef, but that's where the idea kind of one day I said in my head, I was eating this and it was amazing. I said, I'm going to do something like this at some point. Um, yeah. So yeah. I always know peanut butter and bacon went together from being a kid. Sounds great. And, to me. Uh, I approve. You know, and my friends were, when we were younger, they're like, well, if he likes it, it's got to be good because he doesn't eat anything. So <laughs> they, it made sense at that point. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And uh, so your your mother, uh, she plays a pretty big role uh, uh, cooking up mashed potatoes and stuff. Uh, how does that work out? Yeah, we have a few moms in the group that cook homemade stuff. They all took the kitchen classes that you have to to cook in, right? Uh, for but they're employed, they get a paycheck from us. Uh, right. She makes uh, homemade mashed potatoes, gravy, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Um, we had someone last year on Thanksgiving order a five-pound tray for their dinner so they didn't have to make them. Um, and the banana bread. The homemade banana bread has always been my favorite thing she makes, and it is on the menu every day. Um, you know, she's she's got another grandkid now to keep an eye on. But she, other than that, she's got a lot of free time. So yeah. she, she loves doing it. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I mean, that, that really hammers down the family aspect of it. I mean, I think that everybody likes to get behind that type of story. Yeah. And you again, know? we went into this or I went into this um, knowing that we had to do better food than the next guy. Uh, yeah. Not just for, yeah, we could buy cheaper stuff, charge, you know, lower prices, but you're going to get garbage food. Right. And, you know, I learned a long time ago that if you're going to last, you've got to put out good stuff. So right. uh, my GM's mother makes the chili and the soup and we've got someone that comes in to make the meatloaf for the winter menu and stuff. So the nice. staff gets behind that. They tell the guests, the guests love it. They can appreciate it. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's been a, it's been a good niche to our, to our whole project. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I could see that. And uh, I definitely uh, uh, like a lot of the stuff that, well, everything that I've had from you guys, I have liked, I, I haven't gotten all the way through the menu and we'll also post the menu uh, guys uh, in the notes as we'll, you know, we'll put the, the link to uh, reps uh, place website. So you can check out all the things that we're talking about here. Um, but uh, so more about um, to, to move away from, reps itself, uh, uh, and getting back into kind of a little bit of history or, or kind of experience wise, because, you know, I deal with restaurants and lots of businesses and things like that. And, you know, some, some people, uh, are really just good at doing certain things. Um, you know, like whether they're a mechanic, they're good at that, but they're just not good business owners. What, you know, I guess the question is, what does it take for somebody to run a successful business? Um, you know, you know, you you didn't run the business when you were working for other people necessarily, but when you did, what surprised you? What what did it take that you didn't expect? Um, when you're working for someone else and their only concern is that you hit the you know the P and L budget numbers and then everybody's happy. So there's a lot of pressure on that end to mm-hmm. to you know give those results uh, on a daily basis. So. The last five years I spent 
in Rosemont. Those were, I learned so much from those guys and I learned a lot about controlling your numbers from start to finish. And I was able to bring that knowledge here. Um, and it works. Uh, you know, again, nobody's reinventing stuff. They just know how to control costs. Okay. So, um, to, you know, to answer your question, uh, I think the biggest challenge or the biggest thing that I could say about running the business successfully is, you know, you can't do it by yourself. And I've got someone there that definitely helps me a lot day to day. Right. Um, and you've got to be there. You can't be absent and you've got to see when things are needed or need to be improved or changed. And yeah. it's a every day, like I said, it, it changes every day. And that includes our operation. You know, we sure. are always adjusting things. And 99% of the time it's to make a better experience for the guest. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it's it's just about it's about being or being present and and I think that's what separates us from the corporate stuff. You know, they're not there to see; they just see the money in the bank the next day. Mm, yeah, of course. But you know, um, it's a struggle to be an independent small business owner in America. Um, sure, of course. There's, you know, I don't think it was this hard twenty years ago because um, they were everywhere, and now it's all. From There's a the, lot of competition from the restaurant side of thing. It's all corporate, um, mm -hmm. and then you don't see a lot of successful small business local people. That's true. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's been a big shift from you know hard work and all that to you know and and, and being able to just start something up. Uh, there's a lot of red tape now. Uh, uh, can you tell us about the, the red tape and the bureaucracy and things like that, that, uh, you didn't kind of expect? Yeah. It's something that, well, I never had to deal with it. Always working for someone or an established place. It's not something that right. I ever had to deal with. So the first six months was a huge learning experience on how to handle and what I needed. And I definitely needed, I tried to do everything by myself and, uh, I definitely needed an assistant of some type that had that experience or I needed yeah. a consultant to work with, um, it would have went smoother. Um, and I don't think the process was necessarily wrong or could have been any better. I just didn't know anything about it. Right. And yeah. now, and now I yeah. do. Uh, so now when we expanded the restaurant, I knew the steps we needed to get into before it was, you know, a week too late, like yeah. the first time. So, uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a tough process. And, uh, I think everybody in my position would, would hope that it's, can it be easier? I'm sure it can. I mean, there's, right. there's no reason that it had to be that difficult. Um, but we're not the only, you know, we're not the only fish in each city's pond. You know, right. there's, they're, they're doing other things, but, um, I don't know. I, I just, uh, I learned a lot that I didn't know on the opening side process of bureaucracy and red tape. And yeah. Yeah. Red tape said it's going to be anywhere. Um, uh, anytime you're doing anything, it's just, you're trying to do something for the community and sometimes it's just like, Oh, he can wait. That's the way I felt. And it's while not, you're bleeding money, it's not the case. Yeah. It's not the case. It's just the way I felt a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, but I didn't know, I didn't know any better. So yeah. now, you know, they're juggling 20 things when I'm only focused. Right. On Everybody thing. thinks their so, thing's the most important, right. of course. Uh, yeah. And, uh, now another thing that you, you touched on that's really important and it comes up a lot of times with people is the fact that you can't do everything on your own. And, um, I think that that's one of the biggest, uh, things that people overlook. And I think that the main reason for that, and tell me if I'm wrong, is you want it done your way. 
a lot of times you, you don't want to give up control of certain things because you feel like you've done it uh, and, and your way is the right way. So have you encountered that? Do you think maybe that was tempered a little bit by the fact that you worked for somebody else before in the business? Um, what, what are the struggles of delegating tasks out to other people? What, what do you think that is? Um, it's not easy. Um, but I'm, I try not to micromanage my team yeah. and I let them, if they've got ideas, I'm all ears. Cause sure. at, at the end of the day, I realize I can't do it all and that nobody can. And I don't have all the ideas. I mean, I'm, I'm no better at this than anyone else. I'm just, right. I'm still learning every day. So right. I give them the opportunity. If they've got a promotional idea, a marketing idea, um, a menu idea, I'm listening. If it makes sense for the business, we'll try it. Right. You know, if it's, you know, oh, let's bring in a porterhouse and sell it for 10 bucks. Well, that's not going to work, right. you know? So if, if it makes sense for the business, then, then we'll do it. Um, mm -hmm. And if it doesn't work, we can change it. Sure. But I'm never, I don't, if it, anything within reason, we'll go ahead and do. And so I don't, I have a few rules that, that every good business should have. And it's just, you know, pay attention to your customers. Mm -hmm. Don't, if you make mistakes, fix it. And, and, you know, be, be on time, you know, that's it. Other than that, it's have fun and, and do your job. Enjoy that's what it. you do, yeah. but do it, you know, do it, do it right. That's I guess. It, so, um, one, one other thing is, uh, uh, it's pretty safe to say that you do have experience in this industry pretty much your whole life. So, you know, you have uh, had a lot of experiences and uh, success is here now, it seems. Uh, you know, hopefully it stays that way for the, the long uh, unforeseen future. But uh, tell us a little bit about some of the failures that you've had, some of the some of the big hurdles that you had to overcome, some of the biggest screw ups that you had. Um, Ten years ago or so, we I partnered up with some guys that had an existing uh, Irish bar in in Chicago. Mm. and uh they had never operated they were just the money guys and they were looking for some so i became an operating partner with them right and they were oh we'll put money into the place and we'll be there and you know long story short they weren't there no money got put into the place and nothing in the place it just we never could get over the hump so that yeah. was a little bit of a i don't want to say it was a wasted three years i really learned how to control money and spending at that point, but mm -hmm. it was one of those things where after about a year, it was like frustrating to even think that I had to go there because um, I wasn't getting any help. And, and I was still a little bit younger, so I still didn't. How old were you? Uh, early 30s, mid 30s. So okay. I still was learning a lot or I had the opportunity to learn a lot, but they didn't hold up their end of the bargain at that point. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times uh, people don't especially if they don't have any experience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, they're great. They're three older friends, um, mm -hmm. been friends forever. They're, you know, they were good guys, but uh, they just didn't want to deal with it. So. Well, I, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, we, we, we definitely all have had that, uh, that kind of thing happen where somebody kind of lets you down. So um, uh, are you still, you're still friends with them now? Yeah. When I see him, I talk to him. Sure. Okay. All right. Well, at least you came out. Yeah. Uh, on a, a talking terms, but when you have a location, everybody thinks that the rest kind of falls in place, right? Um, you know, a lot of people uh, come and go in this restaurant business. Why do you think that is? It's It can be overwhelming. Um, if you either just had the money and felt like, let's do a bar, or you didn't have enough money, but have the experience, you know, those two seem to be the two 
avenues that people get a bar open somehow. Right. Um, <laughs> and neither one, to my knowledge, uh, work that well usually. Um, it's like I said before, it's not easy. Um, you know, at the end of the day, if you're working for a large corporate company that has 50 locations across the country or 100 locations, they have one big bank account. Mm-hmm. Your rent's going to get paid out of that account or you don't have to worry about day-to-day money where we do. Uh, any any independent small business of any kind, any industry, you know, you're watching the bottom line daily if you're involved with your company. Mm-hmm. And it has been an eye-awakening struggle for me to see how much work goes into it, you know, just to break even. Um, and there's so many more expenses that people may not realize about or, you know, I don't have... 38 locations to get an insurance break when I use one insurance company to cover my entire company. I don't get a break with one location. Yeah. Uh, same with anything. There's no bulk, you know, uh, garbage company that, to save you half price on everything. So my expenses are at a hundred percent at all times. There's no, yeah. there's no breaks. Um, when you're starting off like this and, and I knew that going into it, it's not, it's not that. And, you know, I was having this conversation last week, the cost of, the kitchen now there's there's almost no money to be made in a out with food anymore um with the exception of a steakhouse you know sure. when they're charging yeah. 40 dollars a right. meal but you know the cost of ground beef which is one of our biggest items all yeah. together with all the burgers we sell right you know it's up 70 percent than it was 15 years ago but i can't charge 70 percent more for a burger yeah on the menu i can't you know and you're paying more labor they're not lining up to allow me to charge more. Right. So the cost of doing business, especially out of the kitchen side, doesn't favor a small business owner at all. No. Not at all. Um, If you can break even out of the kitchen, great. You know. um, But you got to sacrifice somewhere else. And especially if you're doing better products. You know, we do a lot of fresh food. We do a lot of homemade stuff. We do a lot of... um, you know, items that you're going to get anywhere, but we do fresh version. We make our own mozzarella sticks, you know, so there's a lot more labor involved. There's better products involved. They're not just the frozen ones you get at um, the gas station or right. wherever you're going. But, yeah. um, so if you're going to do it right, you know, there's not a lot of money to be made out of the kitchen, but you got to have good food to have longevity. Like yeah, you were saying. Yeah, so right. I'm not going to change that. We've just got to find a way to, you know, get more people in there. You know, we, we've got to go to volume now look at volume and look at more bar business. How has, how has, del- I, I, you know, I, I noticed that you, you guys are doing like Grubhub and stuff like that. So how does that factor into um, the margin? Because I, I know that uh, I think a lot of times that, that almost, it cuts it to zero almost. And, and uh, it's really just about marketing at that point. It is, it, it, you know, if people are like, Oh, you should just hire your own driver. Well, That's the, crazy, the insurance yeah. alone to cover the driver, it, you know, they take 20%. 25% yeah. Grubhub does. So it's worth it. And they do all the marketing. You know? yeah. So you're basically paying for marketing at that point. That's, and, yeah, that's what I tell uh, my customers. We do a lot of coupons in their bags, so but they're for dining in. So we're hoping to turn them into some, even if we get two back a month, it's it's a win because they've now come out and they've spent double because they're drinking and stuff right. like that. Uh, so, if you could get them in the door. Right, right, right. Um, so... Yeah, Grubhub helps, but when they take their percentage out, it's a wash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and that 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 goes into the volume. So I mean, uh, bigger picture, you know, when you're when you're when you're trying to 
turn tables faster and get more people through the door. What have you seen that is helpful? Uh, and what have you seen that just doesn't work? Well, I'm on the fence with the turning the tables as fast as possible. And it's, it's been a, and for five years in Rosemont, you know, this is one thing that I brought with me and I learned that I don't want to do this. They wanted to pump out food in no time. And, you know, people don't drink if they're rushed out the door. If they can't get a margarita from the bar in under five minutes and they got their tacos already, they're going to have maybe one drink. They yeah. might even finish that one. If you take a little time and a little more care, a little more fresh food, it's going to take 10, 12 minutes at least for the minimal, for the little stuff. Then they have a chance to get a second beer when their meal comes or a second glass of wine. So now they're spending more money on the profitable items. And that's what we have to focus on more is, um, you know, there's reasonable time on a Friday or Saturday night, you go out to eat, you expect to wait 20, 30 minutes for food, right? Mm -hmm. No matter how busy the place is. So if we can stick to that philosophy and we can, and the bars pushing out drinks fast enough and then we'll be okay. And, and we have been doing it, especially on the weekends, we can get that done. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, so is there, is there a science to that? Um, you know, I don't want to give away the, the secret sauce because, uh, you know, there's a customers probably listening, but, uh, is there a secret sauce? Uh, is that how you, you don't have to give us a recipe, but how do you, how do you put together that? Okay. This is the time that we put this on. This is when this goes out. These people ordering this, yeah. you know, how, how does that kind of dance um, work? It's not a, it's not a dance uh, per se. It's not a, it's not a show. It's, if you're doing, if you're doing average food, it's all coming out of the fryer, so it's all ready in five minutes. So okay. we're not doing that, you know. So yeah. we've got a lot of prep. We do a lot of prep to order um, on a lot of items. So we're we're taking our time to do it right and do it quality. So it, it's part of the whole operation. It's not a dog and pony show. We're Good answer, we're, we're yeah. trying to give them quality food and let them relax and have a couple drinks. We're not, we're not trying to get them in there and rush them out. We've got a big enough place now. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, that was, that was a big thing because you know, with the sports bar aspect, you want people to be able to sit and watch a game. And if you only have a limited amount of tables, now you got people sitting and watching a game and just, you know, and not spending any more money. Right. So, so we did expand six months after we opened to the full dining room and that's really changed. Up game. front, up yeah. front, that had to be a really big hit to the bottom line, right? I mean, you know, because I know that you kind of stressed out when you were getting permitting and all that because you already kind of yeah. – how, how did that process go? Because you, you did that really quick. Right. Um, and we knew we were always – the plan was always to expand to next door as long as it was vacant. Um, after the second weekend, I knew that it wasn't a fluke. Like, you're always busy when you're first. You're the new guy. You're, you're going to yeah. be busy. Right. But the reviews coming back and people, I mean, people were thanking me <laughs> coming into the restaurant for opening and for finally doing something and giving something. And I'm trying to thank them and they're telling me to shut up and thanking me. Yeah. So I knew right away we had to expand. So we were, we negotiated that deal. And the expansion was a huge project because it was twice the size. Yeah. But opening up the small space first was the best thing we were able to iron out kinks, figure out our systems and operations and yeah, things like yeah. that. So it was a good thing for me from a, you know, a funding standpoint. I only had X amount of dollars mm -hmm. um, and it, it gained anticipation as well uh, of, oh, they're going to be bigger. And because it was pretty small, it was pretty small, pretty tight. I mean, 
it was still family friendly for the most part, but um, some people didn't like how close the tables were to the bar. And, and I get that. Yeah. Um, but it, it worked until we expanded and it's been working ever since. Um, mm-hmm. It was weird. You know, it, it was just bad timing that we had the worst winter that anybody can remember between temperature and yeah, snowfall. So, you know, we had a really bad February and March, but I didn't want to go out of the house either. So no, I get yeah. it. Uh, but right. other than that, we've, we've got a pretty smooth operation. Everybody knows what their role is. And, and again, it's, you know, to say hi to people when they walk in the door and say bye when they're leaving and thank them for coming and, and make sure their food was right. And then we'll, gotcha. what, what I, what I, sorry to cut you off. No, what, no. The one thing that I think everybody needs to know is, uh, if something's wrong, if you go anywhere, if something's wrong, talk to a manager, let them fix it. You know, that's my big, we'll fix anything. We'll, yeah. you know, if, you know, we'll, we'll make you something else if you don't like it, if it was cooked wrong, if whatever, we'll, I just don't hold a grudge. Don't, and not against, not just about my place or it just mm-hmm. in, ge- in the business in general, we get a bad, a lot of people talk bad, but they could have had it resolved for them. What do you think? Yeah, that, that goes uh, to another point, you know, especially with uh, restaurants. Um, what do you think about Yelp? You know, I, I don't, I don't use it personally. Who does um, really? Do you uh, know anybody that really uses Yelp? I, I can't say that I have any friends that do it on a regular basis. Um, it's really important though for a business. It can be, um, you know, so, so far so good for reps place. Yeah. Um, but prior in Rosemont it was awful, yeah. you know, so it's, is it based on your clientele, how good you're going to be? You know, I, I don't know. I, um, I, I think it serves a purpose. I absolutely do. Um, but I think when someone attacks a place and we respond, if we get a negative review, yeah. we, we respond to all of them, positive or negative. Mm-hmm. And if we get a negative one and we were trying to make it right, we never get a, we never get a response back ever. No. So you're going to try to ruin my livelihood. You're going to try to hurt my family's future by telling all of the Yelp world, you're going to tell everyone not to come here because your burger was medium instead of medium rare. Yeah, that's, yeah. We could, a, we could have fixed that right there and probably paid for it mm-hmm. and made it right. But instead you're going to go hide behind a computer. So I understand that Yelp serves a purpose for a positive way when people are coming in from out of town and, Hey, let's find the best burger. Let's go to Yelp. It's, it's the thing to do. I get it. Yeah. But if you're going to be negative about something, at least respond back when we try to make it right. That's, and that's just not for me. That's for anybody I know in the restaurant. Nobody ever responds back when management tries to fix it. Yeah. And it, 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 you're right. I mean, especially with a, with a restaurant, I mean, Yelp, if you get really bad reviews on Yelp, you know, that's sometimes a deal breaker, uh, especially for a small place that's starting up, you know, those first few months, it's really critical. And um, it seems like, and I, I'm a firm believer for, for most other businesses that just to stay away from Yelp, honestly, because there's too many downsides. Um, But uh, you got to do it with a restaurant. You have to have a Yelp page. And I personally said, I don't use it myself. No. If I go out, if I don't like a place, I just don't go back. Right. I don't, I'm not going to ruin their livelihood because I had one bad experience. Right. And, and I think that's the misconception with people who yelp all the time. Like we, re, I guess we have to, if you go out all the time and you review hundreds of things a month. If you really know what you're talking about. Right. You but, know? Who, but maybe your server 
you know, just lost her cat and she's having a bad day. Right. And because of that, you're not going to like, I just think that there needs to be both sides of the story heard all the time. And when, yeah. they, when they don't respond to us publicly trying to make it right. Nobody sees that stuff. No, nobody. They read the first line, one star, bad service. They two star. That's whatever. it. Yeah. So again, I see that it serves a, some purpose, but I think there needs to be more of a rebuttal section that would help the negative stuff. What would you recommend? Because I mean, I can't, I can't say, I can't, I can't see that you would get a bad, you know, maybe you get one or two because some people are crazy, but, um, for people, what would you recommend that you could do proactively to kind of prevent that, uh, from happening? Well, you know, what, what, what in-house type of stuff can you do to kind of curb those uh, negative reactions once they walk out the door? Well, the easy answer is the managers talking to every table at least once. Okay. And, and that's pretty much what we do. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, and I was going to make this point with that question is we'll walk up to a table. I'll do it personally or, or my GM or anybody. Hey, how's everything tonight? How's your burger? Oh, everything's great. Well, they get home two stars. Yeah. They don't, they won't address it face to face. And that's yeah. the problem. Yeah. Uh, we will fix it. We just, last night we had a, $40 to go order and they weren't happy with three or four of the things and they're regular customers. And we automatically said, do you want us to make a new one to bring? No, we're settled in for the night. Blah, blah. Okay. Well, we're sending you a gift card to cover your meal. Oh, you don't have to do that. Yes, we do. Like we're going to fix it. And for a second that if it happened the first time, they're nice people. Yeah. They, they didn't care. If it happens again, they might start looking to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So we go head on. And so we got feedback from them because it was a private message. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's, it's, you just gotta, we can make everything right. If people will talk about it. Yeah. But when I go out, if something's wrong and I don't like it, I'll say, Hey, this was supposed to be this way. Can I get a new one? And nine times out of 10, it's sure. No problem. But I'm still not going to go yelp about it. And I'm right. not going to go talk about it. I'm not going to go online and bash someone else because, they got people just, if you don't know the restaurant business or haven't been in it, you have, you just don't think clearly about what you're doing. Yeah. I, would, I would assume. There's so many other moving parts behind the scenes that you're not aware of, you know, right. that, that uh, just because you're, maybe your, uh, your toast was soggy or something. Right. Uh, and, it, and most of the time it's really easy to fix, you know? Right. Um, and, uh, you know, my managers do that. They're trained to at least touch each table one time and make sure everything's okay. If, and most of the time I have them run the food from the kitchen so they can make sure everything's right. Cut into the burger, make sure it's cooked right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let us know if anything's wrong. Like the managers are on the floor. Yeah. They're there. And the servers know if there's a problem to go to them. And, but people just won't talk about it face to face. Yeah. So. Yeah. People, I mean, I, I guess, I mean, with me, uh, just because I, I, by proxy aware of the the industry and then also marketing. And I talk to people you know, like that. So, you know, I, I definitely will never complain. And then, you know I mean? Unless it's like something just ridiculous, you know, then, then it's, it's but even if it was, and you're, like you said, by proxy, you understand enough, right? You're still either going to ask, Hey, can I get the burger the way I wanted it? Or can I get something else if they don't already offer? And I'm not, to. but I'm not going to leave a negative review. <clears throat> you know I mean? Right. Unless they're like, you know, nah, it goes, you know, Right. Go screw yourself. You know, right. we're not doing, you know, that. And that, that's, but even at that point, I'm just not going back. I'm not going to, yeah. I'm not going to waste five minutes of my life 
to Yelp somebody bad who six people might read. I, yeah. I just, I don't get it. Uh, and for every negative yeah. review, there's a hundred people that didn't leave a positive review. If not more. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Right, exactly. And that's, that's the problem a lot of times with these things. So that's, that's why I, it's really hard in the restaurant business with Yelp and yeah. Yelp is uh, it could really screw you over. And I, I, I tell my customers, probably best to just stay away from you i don't my gm looks at it i don't until there's if there's something major yeah. you know but again she'll thank everybody for coming to google now google has one and you know, not now but they've had it for a while but it's gaining exposure on their end and yeah. facebook reviews and they're everywhere so that's why i tell the staff you we have to be on our game all the time because mm-hmm. it's just going to take one bad review from one person so a couple weeks ago i had to talk to a guest the day after an experience and yeah. fix something that I wouldn't have, he was mad that I wasn't able to come to his table in time. And, and I get that. Um, it was, a, it was a weird situation where I wasn't able to be on the floor, but I talked to the next day and we talked, we talked through it and, and he's fine. But yeah. I explained to him that my manager did exactly what I would have done. She offered a new item. She offered something else, anything else will take care of it. And, uh, so I've trained them to do what I think is best. Mm-hmm. And, and so far for the most part, we're good. I'm glad I was able to talk to him and, and I've known the guy since we opened and I'm glad yeah. that he let me explain our side, you know, my side, whatever. And, and uh, you know, he's been a good customer and I hope that it stays that way. And we, it just it was about talking yeah. and communicating. So for every hundred people that don't respond in any way on Yelp, when I do get a chance to talk to someone, you know, I make sure it works. Yeah. And then you probably come out even, uh, in a more positive stance, uh, standing, you know, when that happens. Uh, and, um, so, uh, one, one, one last, uh, kind of, uh, main topic before we wrap up, cause I know you probably gotta get back to it, but, um, so y- you are running a business that has margins for alcohol and for, you know, food. And it's, you know, there's, there's different type of clientele, different type of people, you know, daytime crowd, nighttime crowd. Marketing is a big part of this stuff. And uh, a lot of people overlook, they think that, you know, people will just come, they'll just hear about it and things like that. And, you know, for a smaller place like this, uh, like the town, smaller area, it's a lot easier to kind of get people in the door like that. But um, what would you say, uh, is, is how, how important to your business is marketing, spending money for marketing, putting it up. How, how much, uh, ROI do you think you get on a lot of that stuff? Um, it's very important for an up and coming place for sure. Um, starting off, um, I think when we launched our Facebook page, even before we opened in June of last year, we had a couple hundred followers, you know, just friends, family, et cetera. Right, so, yeah. but I knew 10 years ago, I told an old partner of mine, I said, as soon as we put paper in the window in a coming soon restaurant bar sign, Rolling Meadows will spread the word for us because yeah. they've been thriving for it so much or in need of it so much. So it's exactly what happened. And I was, the one thing I was right about was that paper went up, story hit the newspaper. Right. And the everyone in Rolling Meadows knew what was coming. Of course, yeah. So my challenge is to get the word to the surrounding suburbs um, you know, we border, we're right in the middle of Schomburg, Palatine, Arlington Heights. Yeah. You know, huge house, 500,000 people, you know, in our surrounding area, Mount Prospect, you know, like everywhere. So how do I get those that are in the close vicinity, you know, let's say within 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, so we've done all sorts of 
we've tried everything. Um, the coupon books you get at home uh, that go to every house so that I know it's yeah. getting in every house. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the newspaper, the Daily Herald's done four or five little uh, articles on us, uh, which has been great. Um, we won one of the Reader's Choice Awards because of our fan voting and stuff from the Daily Herald. So mm -hmm. the exposure on that end has been great. But the challenge will always be to get people away from their other comfort zones. Yeah. You know, and sponsoring all the kids' teams, not just Rolling Meadows, but now we're into Arlington and Palatine. That helps. That that that's probably our biggest component is uh, is the team, the little team sponsorship. That when they come in after a game with the parents, I've seen some of those parents then in on the weekends at night without the kids. You know, so yeah. But they live on the other end of a prospect, so they're driving 20, 25 minutes to get away from their normal comfort zone. So that's that's always going to be the challenge, mm -hmm. and that'll always be the goal is to focus on that because you know we take care of the residents in Rolling Meadows by. Yeah. sponsoring everything we can and now we've got to get out to the right. surrounding area yeah yeah and that's uh yeah i mean it's uh, uh people in rolling meadows are they would rather stay here uh, same with over there so yeah that's a that's an uphill battle and um you know we'll we'll uh we'll, we'll touch base uh I'm sure we'll probably have you have you back on uh, uh to kind of do a recap uh down the road here well, once you once you figure that one out but um we are going to be doing a live uh podcast with the mac and black show uh over at rep so that's going to be interesting um what do, you, what do you think about that if you haven't seen that show yet you should tune in yeah yeah definitely guys uh check out every saturday the live stream with uh nick and mac uh, diehard sports uh, fans. You They're can, ev everyday guys. So that's what's different than listening the ESP, you know, the, the TV guys. Yeah. They know everything and, and they're professionals. These are real fans. Oh, yeah. These guys, you know, Mac and Black, they they have definite, you know, comp uh, compassion for what they're talking about. Oh, definitely. And, and, uh, and uh, it's just, it's, it's you and your buddies sitting at home talking about sports the same way they are. And, and I've found myself numerous times going, yes, exactly. Like, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, you know, one of the guys in the show and I have worked together before and we talk sports all the time. And, and, and I know that you definitely understand his passion when you see the show. So definitely tune into that. Yeah. That's a quality of a good podcast when you can sit and you feel like you're listening to friends talk. Yeah. You're part of the conversation. So that's great. Hopefully people, uh, uh, that are listening to this show, uh, as we get better, this is episode one of, uh, local level podcast. And, you know, uh, I definitely want you guys to support, uh, go on, uh, 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 the show notes here, check out the website, look at, uh, the menu. There's some really great stuff on there. Uh, come out, watch a game, uh, specifically on October 5th, we are going to be live at reps with the Mac and black show. So if you're a sports fan, it's a sports bar, they have chicken wings, they have burgers, they have beer, they have anything else that you would need to drink. Um, so come out and, um, We'll do an interactive segment as well. So, you know, if you if you have something you want to talk about, Mike's got a great party room. So uh, we're going to be tying that up uh, for a little while. So come by and uh, and check it out. We'll put the details obviously below as well. But, um, Mike, I, I really appreciate you coming on today. Uh, definitely good stuff. And um, we look forward to uh, uh, seeing, seeing where reps goes. No problem. Thank you. Take care.